Hello and welcome to The Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean here alongside Joe Howie. The Friars won last night against Wisconsin 63-58, to now sit at 3-0 on the season for the first time since 2015. And it's been that long since they beat a Big Ten team. I got to say, I mean, this is, this is a good mood. This is a good day to record a Friars podcast, isn't it? Yeah, this is definitely um, a great day to record a Friars podcast. I was pleasantly surprised with the way we played last night. Well, no, not pleasantly surprised. I, I was I was very pleased with the way that we played last night. I have been trying to go to bed earlier, so I, I took a melatonin at 11.30 as soon as the game ended. And <laughs> any adrenaline and racing thoughts that I had after the game completely counteracted the melatonin, and I was up till 1.00. Uh, just tossing and turning, thinking about everything about that game. And let me tell you, I am so glad they proved me wrong because I was definitely down on them in the preview. Um, I, I think the inconsistent defensive performances against Shu and Fairfield kind of had me nervous for this game. But my goodness, holding a, a Big Ten opponent to 58 points on their home floor, <sighs> not too shabby. That was a, a thrilling night last night. You get the Illinois Marquette game with Marquette coming away with the victory late, getting that steal and dunk or layup and one late in the game, segueing right into this Providence game that was ugly at times. It was a rock fight, but a win is a win. Now, this is a Wisconsin team there without Jonathan Davis, their best player. But still, a win is a win. And I thought the Friars looked really good. And no Friar looked better than Nate Watson. 24 points. That uh, was the third highest scoring performance of his career. Uh, for stretches of this game, he was just dominant. There's no other word for it. Uh, yeah, Matt. As good of a game as Nate Watson, or as good of games as he's had in the past, I think this might be his best. Obviously, he didn't, you know reach a new career high, no double-double, but I just thought his impact in the paint offensively and even defensively was just unmatched. I mean, the Big Ten is a conference known for, you know, throwing bodies around in the paint, and I thought that Mm -hmm. Wisconsin had a very tough time guarding Nate. Uh, He was so perfect with his little um, 10 to 15-foot jump shot. You know, he has a nice little touch a few feet from the rim. I just thought he had a fantastic offensive performance. Yeah, it didn't really matter whether it was Ben Carlson or Stephen Crowell that Wisconsin had back there on defense. They didn't have an answer for him. And Watson was 11 for 15 from the field. And that's in line with what we've seen all season. He gets close to the basket and he hits shots. (laughs) It's that simple. You you know, Matt, I think this was Saturday night during the DePaul game. Um, I threw it on and then I was watching the halftime report with Bill Raftery. And Raft said to the other Fox College sports analysts, he goes, you know, everyone sleeps on Nate Watson. Everyone wants to talk about these high scoring guards or these wings. But no one wants to talk about the traditional back to the basket center that is putting up north of 20 points a game. Like, why is no one talking about him? I hope this game busts his name open nationally because he deserves more national respect when it comes to the Associated Press, ESPN, anyone that's basically not Fox College Sports. I absolutely agree. He's a truly dominant player at his position, which it's just awesome to see. He also added a block uh, to go along with that. I mean, the Friars had six blocks, so it wasn't just him doing it in the paint. You had Croswell adding one, Manaya added one, and Horkler. He had three blocks last night. I mean, they were getting it done in the paint, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I, I think in the paint, the advantage was us. I mean, we out-rebounded them. It, we outscored them in the paint. It was just, it was a traditional, you know, Providence flex offense, Big East showing where you capitalize on your the strengths of your bigs and your wings, and then you let the guards take care of their business. Exactly. And that opened things up from the outside. The Friars shot better from three-point land than Wisconsin was able to do. The Friars went eight of 22. And you had Reeves knocking down three, Durham knocking down three, both of them hit key ones late. That's the kind of space that opens up when you dominate in the paint the way the Friars did. Yeah, talk about Durham's threes, man. I think that one, I think there's about a minute and change left, and we're up 55-50. The shot clock, there's maybe like five seconds left. Durham takes a step back and just drills a three. He he was a foot in front of the Wisconsin half-court logo. And Raf very timely uh, commented on Durham's onions, which, by the way, were dragging on the floor last night. (laughs) We'll talk about that. Man, he's as frustrating as he is sometimes with the hero ball. He makes up for it with these late shot clock threes. My goodness. Yeah, that was... I was, I mean, that was perfect. And you could tell he does not like Wisconsin. <laughs> that old Big Ten energy came out of him because he was feisty all game long, right from the opening tip. I mean, I love seeing a guy bring that energy. And rightfully so. I mean, if you're going to play a guy like Brad Davison, who, by the way, is one of the most annoying college basketball players I have ever seen. Oh, my uh, he Seriously. Matt, you know how much I hated Andrew Rousey from Marquette a few <laughs> seasons ago. I might hate this guy even more. And yeah, that's only, only one, one game, game against him. Yeah. And by the way, like I love Raft too, but he, he those the commentators were all over him. Like Brad Davison had his hand down Durham's pants at half court and was appalled when he got called for a foul. Like you are touching someone every time you guard them. You're lucky you didn't foul out in the first half. Oh, oh my god. god. He, yeah. He, yeah. he is – oh, I couldn't stand yeah. him last night. Yeah, he was frustrating at times, but the Friars still got the better of him. And I think that's kind of where some of the experience showed too. Davison led all scores for Wisconsin. And these other guys, these heralded underclassmen, didn't have their games. And I think that this is something Wisconsin's going to deal with all year long, um, the inconsistencies that you get from young players. But – You also got to talk about this Friars defense. This is the best performance I've seen from them since, I'd say, probably that Villanova game last year at home. Yeah, I agree. Uh, This was a a stifling Friars defense. I think my two defensive players of of the game are Horkler and Manaya locking it down at the wing forward spot. Uh, I mean, really, those two guys had a combined four blocks. I mean, I thought Manaya, while he he wasn't the best scorer last night, just defensively keeping his feet. There was one um, Wisconsin offensive sequence about midway through the second half where Manaya switched onto three different defenders. And I think we, we pushed them into a late shot clock heave or, or I forget. I wish I wrote down the timestamp. I forget what happened, but I just remember Manaya was switching so perfectly, keeping his feet, keeping his composure. And I thought, like, damn, that was pretty good. That was impressive. Yeah. And that, I mean, this defense, a lot of it has to do with the depth of this lineup, too. 
because all of the guys that are coming in off the bench, they play good defense. Whether it's, like you said, Manaya coming in or Breed and Goodine in the backcourt, that allows you to do so much more at the defensive end of the floor because you don't have to worry about managing energy levels. You don't have to worry about backing off to make sure your guys are rested. If Bynum's getting tired, playing aggressive defense, sub-breed it. You're going to get the same quality of play. If Horkler is getting tired, you can put Manaya in. You're going to get high-quality defense. You can do a lot of different things. Durham has been a very good on-ball defender so far this year. Um, and side note, very good to see. I mean, Durham ended up leading this team in minutes, and that was when he, he went out with that injury at one point in the first half, which looked kind of scary when he hit his head. Glad to see he seems to be all right. <laughs> but this whole defense was fantastic all game long. Um, I was definitely concerned, but I, I think there were some theatrics with that injury just because, yeah, you know, he kind of got killed on that play and they didn't call the foul. So, I, I mean, it was obvious Durham did not like the guys on Wisconsin. Um, yes. You know, it brought out his old days in the Big Ten. So I, I think there were some theatrics. I'm not calling it to question whether or not he was hurt. He definitely looked hurt. But there was definitely an oversell on that. But regardless, Matt, back to your point, I thought defensively um, this performance was refreshing uh, given the inefficiencies and inconsistencies against Fairfield and then the very slow start against Sacred Heart. I thought the defense tonight or excuse me, last night, it wasn't perfect by any means, but I thought it was very well improved from last week. Yeah. And if, if you hold a team under 60 points, you got to be happy with what you did on the defensive end of the floor. If the, I mean, the Badgers were just never really comfortable. And there were a couple long stretches where they just could not score, especially. Uh, I mean, there was the stretch at the end of the first half. The Friars went on an 18 to three run, and that's when the game swung. It was kind of back and forth before then a rock fight super close. And after that point, when the Friars took the lead, they never trailed. The Friars led this entire second half. And we talked after the opener against Fairfield. What's going to happen if Providence plays a good team and they can't close the door on them. Well, that's what happened tonight. Wisconsin's a good team or last night. Wisconsin's a good team. And I think there were some flaws for Providence on the stretch. We'll talk about those because this was not a perfect performance, but they led the entire second half. They didn't play their best basketball and they still came away with a win. I think you've got to be happy with that. I agree, Matt. And, and your point's definitely well taken. I don't think you walk away with this, um, you know, upset over the the flaws or the mistakes they're definitely worth noting and we'll get into that like you said but again you led a big 10 team the entire second half and held them to 58 points on their home floor en route to a victory which by the way hasn't been done in madison wisconsin in what was it like 23 years in the non-conference yeah something like that something along those lines so i think that's extremely impressive and i just wanted to make a note especially in the second half on the timely scoring and shooting of some of our backcourt players specifically reeves and durham there was a a sequence matt you and i talked about offline where we went down the floor offensively reeves took an off-balance contested wing three misses wisconsin has the ball my favorite guy in the world, Brad Davison, takes a terrible three that, like, bricks off the side iron. We get the rebound. Reeves, on the other end, sets his feet, takes a perfect corner three. We're up 10. I yeah. thought that was a very timely jump shot. 
Yeah, and that's something we've seen consistently from Reeves is that when he's able to set his feet and pick his spots, he does a really good job. And that I think that's huge. It shows the confidence the team has in him that they're willing to give the ball right back to him after he misses. And the fact that he understands his shot when he misses, he clearly knows what he did wrong because he's going back to that same spot. He knows, all right, if I get this again, I'm not missing it. I thought this was one of Reeves' best games in a while. It was a complete game. 11 points, 8 rebounds, no turnovers. That's what you want from him. He hits three shots from beyond the arc, nails both of his free throws. Especially when you have a guy like Watson who's going to be the team's number one option all year. If you get that play from Reeves all year long, I think you got to be happy with it. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't <clears throat> excuse me, go as far as saying that Reeves is right now the the top choice for your number two scorer. I think Durham has um, comfortably settled into that role. But I think you're right, Matt. And I think something that uh, you and I and for the extended Friar fan base that we need to take into consideration here is that basing Reeves's performance based on if he hits 10 threes and scores 30 points is not really fair to him as a player. I, I think everyone's perception of Reeves is thrown off by these small sample size performances. I think the home opener, his freshman year against Siena, the 22 point performance where he shot the lights out against Creighton in the 2019-2020 season, last season's performance at Georgetown. I think we tend to isolate these examples as the profile for AJ Reeves. And while yes, he can do that and he has the ability to do that on an on on any given night, that's not what you should expect out of him. Those are three, maybe four or five other, um, maybe four or five total examples of when he scores like that. But I think if he makes timely shots, you know, he gets the ball in the basket down low and he rebounds, defends, and is careful with the basketball, I think you can walk away from the performance satisfied. Absolutely. And with the makeup of this team, if Watson and Durham give you these types of performances game in, game out, this is all you need from Reeves to win games. And if he gives you those special games every once in a while or finds that consistently, that's a bonus. You don't need him to do that to win the way this team is built right now. And I think that goes, I mean, it's clear the strength of this team compared to last year is depth. They are so much deeper. When Watson comes off the floor and it's Croswell in, you don't notice a big drop off. When any of these guys from the bench come in, there's no drop-off. They play with energy. Anybody on the team can score. They all play good defense. That's not what we saw at times last year. So having guys that can consistently come in and give you those extra minutes helps out so much. And it also lessens the burden on any individual player. If Reeves has a bad night, Durham's having a good game. Borkler can step up. Breed can step up. Goodine can step up. These are all guys who we've seen do it points before. Mania can step up. It's a big improvement from last year's team. And if you want to go back to 2018-19, that team also struggled because their depth guys weren't as good. It's something these Providence teams need. They pretty clearly have established a nine-man rotation that works. I don't think there's any reason to stray from that group for the rest of the year. That's These are your guys. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I personally, and I've I've, um, I've emphasized this point on the podcast several times in the past. I love when we play with a shorter rotation. Uh, I just, I think the guys get more comfortable. They're more loose. Like if you have someone that's playing well in the first half and you sit him because you want to get another guy minutes, like that guy could get cold. He could get out of rhythm. The shorter rotation works with our style of play. And, and listen, I think nine is 
a little on the deeper end. I mean, Bryson Goodine only got four minutes last night, so it's not like the end of the world. Um, but I, I wouldn't stray away from these nine guys. Uh, specifically, I think the top six or seven are yeah. really the rotational guys that you look at yeah. here. They have specifically seven guys the, who played double-digit minutes. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the top six are, are the ones you keep your eye on specifically. Um, mm-hmm. to, if anyone was paying attention, in the final maybe three minutes, Ed was playing checkers with Reeves and Manaya for offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And it was quite literally defensive possession. Manaya was on the floor. Quick Reeves to the bench. Manaya off. Reeves on. Oh, and then we're going to do it again. And yep. after we score, Manaya is coming on. Reeves is coming off. And I thought that was fantastic because it's basically setting the tone that these are the guys. Reeves is for offense. Manaya is for defense. And if needed, Breed can come in or or Croswell can come in, but right now we're keeping it with these six guys. I thought that was a fantastic sequence, and I thought that was well coached by Ed. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That was a great job from him. I also liked the way he used Alan Breed. He was the seventh guy, and there were points where Bynum struggled. I think Bynum overall had a good game. He led the team in assists and rebounds, also had five turnovers, and was one of ten from the field. So hit or miss at times, and I think we're going to get into this shortly. He played some hero ball at points, but when Breed went in there, I thought he worked really well off of Durham. He's not anything spectacular, but he is what they need from their depth. He's not a drop-off. He's a good player. He has his own skill set. He's different from Bonham. He does some things a little bit differently. But you're not worried when he's in the game. And that's how it was when Malik White would come in from Juan Pipkins back in that 2020 season. That's how it felt. It was okay. Yeah, we're not worried. We still got a guy in there who's going to play good ball. And that's what you need. Breed played 10 minutes, scored six points at two or three free throws, had two rebounds. Solid play right there. And I think those free throws are, are big because <laughs> that was probably the biggest negative takeaway from this game. The Friars could not pull away at the free throw line. They were only 11 and 19 from the charity stripe last night. You can say you can't do that against good teams. They did it against a good team last night and won, but not good. <laughs> the, yeah, just they 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 won by the skin of their teeth last night. If you make all the free throws that you're given, that would have been a double-digit deficit for Wisconsin, and we would have won much, much more comfortably. Uh, just a note about Breed. I, I think you're you're exactly right, Matt. I think he's a nice piece off the bench, especially on a night when Bynum is, uh, I won't say playing bad, but playing inconsistently. There were times where his hair was on fire and he was doing all the right things. There were other times where the hero ball came out, which I have a few comments on in a minute or so. But I thought Breed played a good game. There were some sequences where um, I think he got caught for a couple of nickel-dimer fouls that were really just come on like like brad davison can stick his hand in al durham's pocket while he brings the ball up but you're gonna call breed because an elbow goes out like come on call it a little more evenly um but i I also thought he had had an an untimely turnover after he picked up a foul where i was just like oh my god like i think if we're gonna use breed we have to use him as a true two because he's not the, uh, the traditional point guard in the respect that Bynum is. So I think you made a great point, Matt. They are, there's no drop off, but they're just different. I think if you're going to remove Bynum for breed, Durham has to be on the floor to run the point because I'd feel much more comfortable with him. Yeah. And if you go back to that 2020 season, there were points where Malik White and Luan Pipkins would share the backcourt and kind of be 
point guard 1A and 1B. And I thought that's the dynamic we saw with Durham and Breed when they were both in the game. And I, I thought their games complemented each other very well. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, free throws, woof. Obviously, part of it's Nate Watson, not a good free throw shooter. He missed three. Horkler was did not. Horkler had an interesting game. He only took one field goal and he made it. So he only had two points on the night. Missed one free throw. So you got misses there. Durham hit some key free throws late, but he missed two in a row at one point. He was two of four on the game. And you add all that up. That Bynum had one miss as well, and I believe that was the front end of a one and one. Yes, and it was. you're looking, you're looking at eleven and nineteen. And in some ways, the front end of a one and one. I mean, that's almost like two misses right there. So you're you're barely hitting fifty percent of your free throws. You gotta, especially late in a game, you gotta do better than that. Yeah, free throw shooting, Matt. Th- this has been a sore point for Friar fans for probably the past decade, if not longer. I just we 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 have these spurts where we have awful free throw shooting, and then all of a sudden it flips and everything goes from the stripe. And you can tell it's something that they focus on at practice. And then when it, everything starts going in. We go back into the slump and they start missing all their free throws again. So it's definitely a streaky thing. I think it just comes from straight repetition. And again, I'm not inside the gym. I don't know what they're doing. But I I think if you're going to base the performance on the court based on what they're doing at practice, I mean, there's got to be a correlation to free throw shooting at practice and free throw shooting performance in the game. I think there's a direct correlation there. Practice makes, makes perfect. If it's not perfect, you must not be practicing. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure some of it's the pressure going into a road environment, all of that. I'll cut them some slack, but. Oh, no. Yeah. If you make, if, you, if you're making just a couple more free throws here, you're looking at probably I don't know, a 10 point victory instead of a five point victory. And if that's the case, that looks better, especially if the Friars are a bubble team come March and the people are looking at this game saying mm, they were only able to win by five. And that was without Wisconsin's best player. We don't know how we feel about this game. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think they're going to be hemming and hawing over just this one game. But it would be nice to say, all right, we picked up a a double-digit victory over a Power 5 team on the road. Agreed. A win is a win. Yeah. Yeah, a win is a win. And just as a disclaimer, too, this isn't to pick out any individual player on this team. Uh, we're just I'm just saying this as an overarching trend across the past five or six, seven Friar teams that I've seen. Like Under the free throws. I mean, it's just been they've been hit or miss yeah. with free throws at times. And it'll cost you some games. That I'm glad that it didn't cost them this one. And I think I don't know. What's your what's your biggest takeaway from this game? What's your impression of this Friars team right now? Um, my impression of this Friars team is that um, when push comes to shove, we can put it together. I think I think there are still some defensive breakdowns. I think specifically in the zone, we were not communicating, especially on backdoor cuts. I think we left a couple of those wide open. Thankfully, Horkler recovered on one and had the game winning block. Um, if anyone saw the press conference, Ed Cooley said Horkler's block late in the second half was game winning. I would have to agree. Um, I think switching on ball screens is still a, a, a nightmare, uh, specifically between guards and forwards. I think I think there was someone, a really bad one with Bynum and Croswell. Croswell. Yep. And yeah. uh, first. Yeah, I know first exactly half. the one you're talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
exactly the, the one you're talking about at the top of the key. Uh, I think that's just communication. Like you guys got they, they got to communicate if they're going to mm-hmm. switch or they're going to stay home. That's a simple fix. And we've seen it across all three games. And then offensively, I think, Matt, we talked about this offline. Horkler, uh, not Horkler, excuse me. Uh, Croswell and, and Nate do a great job with the pick and roll. Our guards are not finding them on the roll. And, and I think that's points left on the floor right there. Like if you're Al Durham and Croswell sets a screen for you and then he's rolling to the hoop and he's open, give him the ball. Like don't take a contested mid-range jumper. Like what are you doing? Yeah, I, I agreed. And that's, I mean, that was the other big takeaway for me from this game. They didn't, what, Nate Watson, I don't think had a shot in the last seven minutes, minutes and 52 seconds, I think is technically what it was. Yeah. Uh, in the last eight minutes, Watson was not the go-to guy on offense. And when you're having – I know the one possession that drove both of us crazy is when they came down the floor, Nate never touched the ball and Bynum airballed the three. <laughs> that was the most irritating possession I think I've seen out of a Friar basketball team in the past six years because Bynum historically is not a good three-point shooter. Watson had 24 points on the night and was completely owning – those skinny gumps in the paint. Why are you not feeding him the ball late in the second half when you need a bucket to to cut to cushion your lead? Why is that not the play? And I get it. Yeah. He was being double and triple teamed. But if anything proved true in the entirety of the game up until that point, it's that he can power through multiple defenders, especially when they're smaller than him. He wasn't yeah. in foul trouble. It's not like yeah. you have to worry about him picking up his fifth. Give him the ball. Yeah. I, I thought that-, that was... That was shoddy play calling. Yeah. And the other part of that, too, is that when the the impact Watson has on that possession, they kind of had a high low going with Horkler and Watson where uh, they had those were the only two guys on that side of the floor. And they had Horkler outside the three point line. And you're putting the defense into conflict. You're basically saying if you want to double Watson, you have to leave Horkler uncovered. Horkler was the team's best three point shooter a year ago. He didn't take a shot from deep last night. And that's a position to get on the ball because if they're going to double Watson and leave Horkler wide open, I'd rather Horkler take that shot than bite him. Horkler's the better shooter. Get it around to him. Great, great, great point, Matt. Uh, Especially if Watson is being triple teamed. Like if you give him the ball, they're obviously going to collapse in on him. Horkler's open. Durham's open. Reeves is open. Three guys that can hit the three ball. Like he can pass out of that if push comes to shove and it's really too yeah. much for him. I don't think yeah. it would be too much for him, but I have faith in those guys hitting an open three. And there there was just so many late game possessions where it was either Bynum or Durham just dribbling around back and forth at the top of the key. You do They do their, that drill called thumbs where they hand it off between the three guards and then nothing changes. Mm-hmm. I was just I was appalled by the late game offensive play calling. And I know it's tough to get it into Watson when he's, he has that many guys on him, but he's proven that he can handle that. I I just, I don't know what the thought process was there. I have to think in some ways, I think last night was kind of a coach's dream of a game. And that, especially Ed Cooley, you go on the road, you get a victory, you get one against a good team. You play good defense. The team did a lot of things well and you get to come back to practice this week, and Cooley can be hard on them. There's no, it's not like they blew out a team by 50 points. Nobody's resting on their laurels after this. They're going to look at the film and say, all right, we got to work on this. We got to work on this. We got to work on this. We got to hit this shot. We got to hit this shot. Make that pass. And now they can grind this week. And they can feel good about it. 
but you get back to work and there's no yeah I, I think Cooley's got to feel good about this it's that's why it's a coach's dream to have a game where you win and you still have things to work on I agree, Matt. I, I think that's a great point. You know, <clears throat> specifically X's and O's. I think there was a ton that is going to be discussed today at the Ruane Fire Development Center. Uh, I think something that isn't an X and O specific that does need to be discussed with the backcourt players is hero ball. That needs to stop right now. Yeah. I'm not I'm not the coach. You're not the coach. But if I'm Cooley, I'm going to tell Durham and Bynum, cut it out with the hero ball. Exactly. Yeah. You you only have the right to play hero ball when you've hit the shots. And Durham hit that shot. Reeves has hit that shot in the past. Bynum is not that guy. I'm okay with Durham doing it to a certain extent because he's a good shooter. Bynum, I'm sorry. You got to improve the that shot before you start taking those. I mean, he was one of 10 from the floor, and I think he got really unlucky at some point. So he got a couple of nice drives to the basket, and just the ball didn't roll his way. But... Those yeah. three pointers are oh for four from beyond the arc. That was a point good. in time where it's like, all right, you you can't be that guy late in the shot clock. Give it up. Good cl- good clarification, especially with Durham. I, I think in game Durham did clean up the hero ball because twice in the second half we saw a late shot clock, a deep three go in for him. So I think he was able to clean up his act a little bit. But I think in the first half he he tried to slam it on someone's head like. And the ball went ricocheting off the backboard like early on in the second half. He went flying up the court and tripped over his own feet like that was tough. like just slow, slow. You know what I'm talking about when he dove head forward. Yeah. Just slow it down. Bynum Bynum was, uh, I think, the worst defender of this last night. The The play to end the half with the step back air ball three. Like, what are you doing? Come yeah. on. Yeah. You're not that just, guy. I, I think back to that. Uh, Patrick, it's a Patrick Ewing who uh, was like. You, you, you practice that shot? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You, you practice that shot? Do we practice that? Yeah, I know. The press conference you're talking about, he goes, do we practice that shot in practice? No. Yeah. So why are you taking it? Yeah. It, was, it wasn't even during a press conference. It was uh, he was mic'd up on the sideline. Yeah. It was like the oh, step that, back, one-legged jumper, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great Big East moment, but yeah. But, hey, at the end of the day, Friars win. They're 3-0. and They're going to take on a plucky New Hampshire team Thursday night at 6.30 at the dunk. It was a team that gave Marquette some issues last week. So you can't sleep. They're going to be a good opponent. Friars got to turn around and play a good team. And then after that, next week, Friars have another neutral site tournament Monday and Tuesday. So it's going to be – and they get another Big Ten team. They get Northwestern next Monday. So you got to turn around and do it again. I think we're happy with this. Yeah. Good start um, to the year. Obviously, like we, we just discussed a couple of negatives of the game. We're not dwelling on the negatives. Uh, I mean, I know I can get worked up sometimes. We're definitely not dwelling on the negatives. A win is a win is a win. A road win against the power conference opponent that's you know projected to be pretty good this year is a very favorable win. We are... Very so much happy with this win. Just thought that there were some notable mistakes that should be highlighted. But uh, overall, great game. Nate Watson's your horse. Um, Durham, Reeves, Horkler, Bynum. Like, we have a good team this year. And I think we passed the early season test. I think now we just need to string together some consistency. This This UNH game screams trap game in every sense of the word. So I hope that they're practicing hard and that they're not sleeping on this opponent. Bounce back, get back to work, and get on to another one. Friars at 3-0. and 
after one week of play. Ed Cooley had with this one. Again, they'll be back in action this Thursday. We will have a preview episode for that game, so stay tuned for that. Make sure you are following us at the Flex Hoops on Twitter. You can follow our personal accounts. Come hang out with us. Talk to us about basketball. We always love interacting with you guys. Make sure you're following us and subscribe to wherever you're listening to this so you can stay up to date with Friars action at the home of Friars Sports here, the Flex Hoops pod. Thank you for listening. Go Friars.